This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Thursday, February 16th, 2006. I'm Sean Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. And I'm Veronica Belmont, the producer of the podcast. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, our podcast of indeterminate length, episode 168. Oh, good number. And uh, once again, the chair remains empty. I miss Molly. We all miss Molly. In fact, there's a thread on the forums about how much people miss Molly because there's the rant level has gone down. We're much calmer, I guess. We're just more well-adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because exactly. I know she's going to listen. At least to mad. this part, anyway, at the very beginning. Right. So, all right. So, I guess um, my time has come, I guess. There's uh, the first OX-10 virus, or supposedly. Well, yeah, this is uh, beta to slash dot. It's actually off of MacRumors.com, mm-hmm. so take it with a grain of rumor salt. Uh, but basically, they're saying... i got to stop saying basically, by the way. I'm sure people have noticed that. It says that there is a JPEG icon in OS X that is actually a compiled Unix executable mm-hmm. in disguise. Uh, and an initial disem- disassembly reveals evidence that the application is virus-like. And apparently it sends itself to other people via your AIM iChat buddy list. Most recent updates show that the file does send itself to other users. You're right. There it is. So it's it's not that dangerous, but it is kind of working, I guess. Well, and that's how viruses started. The, you know, the very first PC virus didn't really do anything. It was right. sort of proof of concept. Yeah, exactly. It wanted exactly. to be able to replicate itself. And then they started putting dangerous payloads in there. So it may be time to start watching our backs a little bit, Mac users. We'll see. Somebody, I don't know if this was, I think this may have been an email, but somebody was like, take that, Leo Laporte. Because he's always talking about how OS X doesn't get viruses. Well, actually, this isn't the first Mac virus I've ever heard of. It may be the first OS X virus, but there have been Mac viruses out there. They They just just never do any damage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? Is this is this going to be something to worry about, V? Um, I would keep an eye open. I wouldn't be overly worried about it. I wouldn't start the hysteria. I mean, everyone on the unofficial Apple weblog is like, chill out. Like, it's not a big deal. Calm down. No need to freak out. So That's what they said in Jonestown, too, when they started handing out the Kool-Aid. Oh, oh and by the way, it's um, it's not going to be uh, the next version of, of uh, the OS X. Not going to be Liger. It's Leopard. Oh, it was right. Something. Yeah. Johnny pointed Liger, that out in the Leopard. email. We were just hoping it would be Liger. Yeah, and I we know. couldn't remember what it was. So, But thanks for uh, thanks for correcting this. Yes. Apple could get a sense of humor. <laughs> I think OS 11 should be Liger. Well, you know, there were pictures posted online. I actually saw pictures when, after Tiger came out, the next version was going to be, <laughs> Liger, be Liger. And there was the drawing from Napoleon Dynamite of the Liger on the box. Maybe the next one after Leopard. Liger. There's still hope. I'm, I'm rooting for it. All right, folks. You want a rant? I'll give you a rant. The RIAA says ripping songs to your iPod is not fair use, even though when they were making the case against Grogster, they said, oh, we're not against people making CD copies or backing things up. That's it's perfectly lawful. Now, as part of the ongoing DMCA rulemaking process, the RIAA says, nor does the fact that permission to make a copy in particular circumstances is often routinely granted necessarily enough to establish fair use. In this regard, the statement attributed to counsel for copyright owners in MGM versus Grokter case is <laughs> simply a statement about authorization, not about fair use. So in other words, what they're saying here is, Oh, you can only you sure you're free to make copies and backups of things yeah. and put things on your iPod as long as we say it's okay and we can change our minds anytime. at any time. This, That's awesome. And not you, what the RIAA has taken a position that they are going to overcompensate. They are going to fight 
everything, which is exactly the opposite of what they should do, in my opinion. But they are going to try to push things as far backwards as possible because I think they don't think they can win. Right. I think that they know that the world is going against them. It's changing too fast. And they feel like we have to pull back as far as possible because we're going to lose stuff anyway. And this is an example of that. Just saying, you know what? When we're talking about the DMCA, we want to make the rules as strict as possible. And they're just push, 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 push. The thing is, they're pushing to the breaking point. Yeah, give it up. And Seriously. They are, there's a uh, there's obviously EFF is going to have a uh, release about that. And that's where I'm reading about it, mm-hmm. uh, is on the Electronic Frontier Foundation site. And I like the PS at the bottom. The same filing also had to say that, similarly, creating a backup copy of a music CD is not a non-infringing use. And that is, in my, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, as I've said millions of times, but that is not, that is exactly opposite fair use. Fair use says, I can make a backup. Right. Now the DMCA the thing I already paid for is going against fair use, but yeah, I, folks, you just have to realize that the cat is out of the bag. Pandora has opened the box. Digital copying is going to happen, and you need to deal with it, not just dig your heels Battle in and against fight against it. it. Yeah. <sighs> okay, Speaking I know that wasn't music, as good of a rant as if Molly had been. Hey, here, I did a segue. A you missed it. I didn't. I didn't miss it though. Speaking I, I, of I digital was, music, I was just interrupting you. Oh. As, you know, Molly's. <laughs> we're uh, channeling Molly for yeah. reals. So, uh, yes. Yeah, speaking of digital music, what were you? Uh, Amazon Digital Music Store and MP3 player, possibly by summer. This is according to James Kim on the Alpha Blog. Yeah, uh, there is a story in the Wall Street Journal today speculating that a- Amazon will launch a music store sometime later this year and possibly partner with an MP3 manufacturer to deliver an Amazon-branded MP3 player that would work with their service, a la the integration between iTunes and iPod. It would have to be really cool. Imagine it, the A-Pod, says Just- James Kim. <laughs> Because it's Amazon. <laughs> yeah, because Amazon's really having a hard time staying relevant these days, I think, as a company. Well, yeah. And you know what? I, I don't remember if I heard Kevin Rose talking about this on one of the podcasts that he was on about how he just doesn't use Amazon anymore. And, and I agree. I mean, I don't. It was the last def- twit. Uh, was it twit? Yeah. I don't default to Amazon as much, nearly as much as I used to. I was thinking and I didn't realize it. I, if somebody yeah. would ask me, I'm, oh, yeah, I still shop on Amazon. But I think back to the last few purchases I made online. They were not at Amazon. They were directly from manufacturers. You know, the funny thing is, is I used Amazon for most of my Christmas shopping for ordering online because I wanted everything to come at once in one package, pay one place. Yeah. I've and that worked that fine. Yeah. But when I'm shopping for myself now, I, I use Frugal and I search everything and look everywhere for the best price. I don't just go to Amazon. This will be the 10 year anniversary of my shopping online this year. Really? Yeah, I I did all my Christmas shopping in 1996 on the web. For the first time? Yeah. Amazon, Virtual Vineyards, a JCPenney gift card. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So full circle, back to not just using Amazon. Back then, all Amazon was was books. Right. Anyway, according to the Wall Street Journal article, Amazon is responsible for selling 10% of all MP3 players, and so they want to tap into that market. They already do provide some downloads. You can download some MP3s from Amazon right now. Yes, exactly. James goes on to detail in his blog post on the CNET Alpha blog why he does not think that Amazon can knock Apple off the top. Now, I think everybody's expecting iTunes to start to shrink. They've just dominated the market, and as more people start to get into it, they just can't continue to maintain an 80% market share. Nobody can, and Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to be surprising. So when when their market share starts to shrink, everybody's going to start pointing fingers. That's just going to happen. That's a law of economics. But I still think... 
that if things go the way they are, iTunes is going to continue to be the dominant force. Now, uh, that lawsuit could knock them off the top. Uh, Somebody could come along and come up with a very good MP3 integration and no DRM, possibly knock them out. But I I don't think those are possible. Oh, speaking of that, I did. I download Songbird. The, um, the oh yeah, what did you think of it? Thing. What did you think of it? I did too. I I I like the interface a lot because it is very similar to iTunes, but you know, it's still I still have to sign up for all the integration with the different websites like MP3 Tunes and Last.fm, which is the only one that I actually have an account for. Mm-hmm. And you can't really buy music off of Last.fm; you can just kind of stream it. Yeah. Um, it 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 doesn't seem like something I'm going to be using very often. Personally, I, I agree. I think it's early. I, I don't yeah. want to trash Songbird because no, I, I, I really like what like they're it. doing. Yeah. And I, like you say, the interface is fantastic. They just haven't quite got it yet. It's, yeah. And it's still in beta. You know, it's still it's still a pre-release. I, in fact, it might even be in alpha, though, technically speaking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 something to play around with. It's not something to recommend that everyone go out and, and replace their iTunes with. Not quite yet. But it, it's still possible. It's promising. Uh, real quickly, before we take our break, Rocker to become uncapped. Uh, this is posted all around. We got emails about it. We saw it on Dig. Basically, there I go again with the basically. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, a blog f- uncovered a screenshot in the iTunes Music Store that asks you if you want more music on your mobile phone, shows a picture of the rocker, not the sliver, the rocker, and asks you to upgrade now by pressing OK. So I guess, what is it you found out? 50 bucks? It's You have to pay if you have a... It says, general consensus on this seems to be that upgrading a phone with a 100-song limit doesn't do anything meaningful, but that upgrading a phone with a 50-song limit costs $45 and gives the phone the ability to store 100 songs. And Engadget has confirmed with Apple that the upgrade only brings phones with a less than right. 100 song. Okay. So, yeah, this is if you really got the short end of the stick. Yeah, dude, why would you buy 50 songs. You know, I you didn't even realize there was a rocker that only stored 50 songs. But it's pretty rude to charge you 50 bucks to I do know. it. I know. It's like <laughs> then you got to spend another fifty bucks to get all the songs because they're ninety nine cents a piece. It's really stupid that they're still keeping it at the hundred song limit. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the fact that Apple will soon switch to Windows. Okay, it's an opinion, mm-hmm. not a fact. Also, PS3's release date with a new name and CEOs start their own Warcraft guild. Do you believe anything is possible at Earthlink? We do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you. Now, this is just crazy talk. There's, yeah, John Dvorak talked about this on Twit last week, that he was going to write this column about how Apple will adopt Windows. And he says it's very compelling. And one thing about John C. Dvorak, he's a very intelligent man, and he's really good at promotion. He's really good at getting you to read his columns because he does have a logical layout here. I mean, he says that would be smart for Apple to just get out of the OS development business, put a skin on Windows. I'm totally paraphrasing here, but uh, focus on the hardware. And if you want to knock Dell on their butts with market share, start selling machines that run Windows. Yeah. What do you think? Huh? If it was a win, it was a, an Appleified. Uh, it was it was still Apple's OS front end, right? Still yeah. Aqua, mm. but it had Windows underneath. Why? I don't know. I just I'm not buying it. You can still they can still hold on to the hardware, right? And say you know, hey, it's it's only Apple can give you Apple's experience. They can still work on you know, on the interface. I don't. I really don't have an educated argument for it. 
or against it rather. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I agree. I think that's right. It's not I think going it, to he happen. Makes a, he makes a good argument. He he lays it all out, just like you said. But the only issue is there is a very good argument for Apple opening up their architecture and allowing other companies to make the hardware to run OS X. Right. So the, it's the same argument on its head, but Apple won't do that either. They want to control, right? They want um, they have a monopolistic, for lack of a better word, a, they want you to use the iPod on an on a PowerBook with the iTunes Music Store. You know, they want you to play on .dot Mac in their universe. They're not going to use Windows, especially because you know there's that whole Pirates of the Silicon Valley movie. They hate <laughs> each other. I know. I saw Anthony Michael Hall in that. <laughs> awesome. All right, and some PS3 news apparently rumored to be released in September. And possibly also renamed the PlayStation Hub. Yeah, this according to David Rudden on the CNET Alpha blog. There is a posting on Next Generation, an industry-centric site that says speculates a September 2006 launch and talks about how all of those things that are being shoved into the PSP to make it a home entertainment center could mean that it will be called the PlayStation Hub instead of the PS3. You know what I think? What do you think? I think it's a stupid name. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a government agency. I don't like it. I put in my uh, application to Hub to play this video game, and I'm hoping. Uh, there's also a more wild rumor from a European site that the storage media would be sold separately, and so you wouldn't get it wouldn't come with a hard drive. So, so it'd be kind of like a core system. Yeah, well, the the, the top footnote after the spec list on Sony's official product page says storage media. Hard drive, memory stick, SD memory card, compact flash sold separately. You know what? They that's a, that's a working page. Maybe they mean you can get a bigger hard drive. Yeah. You know, uh, Xbox does that. Xbox 360. Right. You can buy an external hard drive to increase the capacity. That's probably all that means. We'll see. But September would be pretty good, right before the holiday. Yeah, and the, quasi so, before the holidays, September, enough time to catch up with demand after the initial. Everyone buys one, then they're gone. And then, you know, with your spare change, you can buy a Nintendo Revolution later on in November. <laughs> Get a new Vista machine early December. It's going to be a good Christmas. It's going to be a great holiday. Good holidays. Can't wait. All right, you found this one about the CEO starting their Warcraft guild. <laughs> are are you these are these are power people, not these just are big CEOs. Time players. These are big time players. So you're in this guild then, right? Oh, of course. No. In I fact, it doesn't name. even mention what server they're on, with good reason. Of course Because not. then they would get totally, like, attacked, you know, people being like, oh, I want to join your guild. Um, but apparently the guild is called We Know. It's a self-effacing joke, said guild founder Joy Ito, a tech investor who has put money into well-known tech outfits such as Technorati. Yeah. They joke that they don't know very much, but they sure like to make people think they do. We know. <laughs> Clever. We know. We know. Sorry, guys. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> Snakes on a plane, um, but I, you know, I, I wonder if we got we got a lot of Warcraft players in the audience. So go home, go online, look in your server, see the stats, the guilds that are on your server. Let me know. I'm kind of interested to know where they're hanging out. Okay, we're going to skip past the next story about the TV box that launched a sea rescue in Devon, in England. <laughs> but we'll we'll include the link in the uh, in the newsletter. Okay, and this, this one, this next one, the the women tech 
article? Yeah, well, we can't skip that one. You got to talk about that no. one. No. I wish Molly was here to talk about this one. I know. And let's just, let me just say that, okay, that's wonderful that women are buying more tech. Apparently, 64% of women in the United States own a personal computer as opposed to only 63% of men. So that, those are pretty good numbers. That's surprising. I, I would not have believed, I would not have guessed that. I and I've say. seen lots of it. studies saying that women are buying more gadgets. Well, Best Buy is even going to be opening some kind of special store targeting women. With a, yeah. with a better environment. Than I know. The big I saw that article too. Appeal. Yeah. But I have to say one thing. Mm-hmm. We don't want pink gadgets. Some of you do. I don't. No, I know. My wife doesn't. The majority either. of women, I'm assuming, are not going to buy a laptop because it's pink. Okay. And I, I, I know this much. Making tech friendly to, to females doesn't mean making it pink. What does it mean? Does it, does it mean anything different than it, just really, good usability and what everybody else wants? Personally, else it makes no difference to me. I, you know, maybe aesthetically, I like, it's, it's weird. I like things that are a little more rounded. I like things that are a little more, I mean, not saying that I like, like the Sony Walkman Bean or anything because it's rounded. Um, but I, otherwise, there's really no difference to me. You're just, you're just saying that it Personally, may be a little style. Yeah, a little more style. All right. A little more pizzazz. His ass. His ass. Let's go into our voicemails. And yes, uh, because I was distracting Veronica while she was putting together the podcast yesterday, we <laughs> we talked about James' voicemail and we left it out. So here it is. Uh, hey, guys. This is James. Uh, I happen to live in Connecticut. I got to say, making fun of us up here, not cool. We've had like these really nice sets of maybe two days, beautiful spring weather. And then we get hit with 12 inches of snow. I can't really deal with it any longer. We're, my friends and I, we're all cyclists, so we get all pumped up to be out biking, and then it snows again, and uh, just please don't rub it in, man. I, I'm just going to go cry myself to sleep now or something because I, I can't take it any longer. Uh, yeah, bye. I hope your consciences feel guilty for the pain and the suffering. Uh, bye. Yeah, what good podcasts do, but mostly guilt. Guilt. Uh, yeah, bye. And James... First of all, in the forum said, I think you guys overreacted, but also he put a curse on us because we had frost in the Bay Area um, this morning. Yeah, it was freezing Which I know is night. no 12 feet of snow, but yeah, that doesn't happen. It's pretty shocking for I, us. I just stood there looking at it and like having flashbacks. I this turned morning. the heat on last night. Yeah. Yeah, I sure did. The heat is on. Mm-hmm. I, I've been having the, I'm a wuss. I have the heat on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer, especially in San Francisco. <laughs> That's a cold time, I know. All right, uh, we got any, a new voicemail from Michael in Naples, Florida. Hi there, Tom, Veronica, Molly. Uh, this is Michael calling from Naples, Florida. I just wanted to uh, make a quick mention about uh, Movie Beam. I did have some experience with it uh, up in Jacksonville when I visited some friends uh, almost two years ago. And I liked the service a lot. The only thing that I did not like is that you had to pay for every movie that you wanted to see on top of the subscription fee. Um, I didn't, however recently that the prices have started to drop since they've expanded to different cities. So I'm hoping that they will wise up and eventually just start charging a monthly subscription fee for a certain number of movies uh, on a tiered system the way Netflix sort of does it because I'm tired of waiting for my Netflix to show up in the mail and I think that I'm being throttled even though I only watch about 10 to 11 movies a month top. But thanks for the podcast. You guys have a great day. Doing a great job. Good to hear. Good to hear uh, somebody who's actually used this. Now, two years ago, so it must have been an older model, obviously. Right. I would imagine they've improved it. But I agree with you, Michael. If you have to pay to get in the door and then pay again, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't be into that's it. That's a bad theme park model. 
<laughs> I I go into Six Flags. I, you know, I guess I expect to pay for the the meals, but I don't expect to have to pay for the rides again. I just paid to get in. All right, and then we've got Christoph from Wisconsin talking about some video editing. Hey, Tom, Molly, Veronica, it's uh, Christoph in Wisconsin. Hey, love the show. I was just listening to your uh, Valentine's Day show and um, was going to uh, shed some light or give you my perspective on doing some video editing and compressing on the PC. Uh, I use Adobe Premiere Pro um, to do uh, video editing um, for my wife's uh, podcast and her girlfriend. It's called The Savvy Show, S-A-V-V-I-E-S. Um, and uh, what the, the, the procedure I go through is to shoot everything on a mini DV um, format um, using you know digital mini DV cam- camcorder, and then uh, and then what I do is uh, take that into Premiere Pro and uh, capture it, and it captures it in a uncompressed DV uh, formatted AVI file, and that file is very large. It's on the order I think uh, we do about a 15 minute show, and it's uh, like three and a half gigabytes for a 15 minute show. And then um, what I do is, after I've edited it, things like that, I export it. And I export it um, back in that DV format, which is uncompressed, so it's very large. But I do it um, with the um, deinterlacing on so that it, it, it's better for web viewing. And then um, after, after I do that, I pull that into Apple's QuickTime Pro. And, uh, and when it's in there, um, I will recompress it, or, or I'll do the compression in the H.264 format to an M4V, and then it's ready to go up to iTunes. We also use Macromedia's Flash um, uh, video compressor, which is really good, uh, very high quality, so that we can display the video on the website, too. And if you go to Savvy.com, uh, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the video podcast is really for women, so most of your viewers probably aren't too interested, but... Um, check it out. Molly and Veronica, you might like it. So anyway, love the show. Hope, uh, hope you guys continue to bring, uh, great shows to us. So, uh, thanks and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, that's good. That was actually one of the programs I was going to recommend was Adobe Premiere because I know that I'm pretty sure some other groups within our company use that. Ours does not. Now I know, you know, he seems like he's got a little bit of a budget here because he's got Adobe Premiere Pro, not, not L.E., uh, and he's got QuickTime Pro. QuickTime Pro is only thirty dollars. Well, upgrade. still, you yeah. know, depending on on how big your operation is, that's not that can be a little bit of a barrier. Mm-hmm. But it's good to know how other people are doing this. It's really interesting, so. right? And I haven't gotten a chance to uh, check out Savvy.com, but I'll I'll do that later after lunch. Got an international call from Dean. Tom, Molly, Veronica, this is uh, Dean calling from Novi Sad, Serbia, uh, via Skype out loud. Uh, I just wanted to call and say. Uh, this is my next uh, visit to Serbia, where I work with a team of young developers, uh, assisting them with education and training in all areas of IT, and um, that's actually where I'm calling. Um, that's where you guys come in. Uh, not only is the podcast very entertaining, it's um, also very educational, and uh, this little bit of education each morning keeps the team here up to date with technology and I know this might sound a little sappy, but we love the podcast, and uh, we wanted to send you all a sincere vala, which is the Serbian word for thank you. Uh, so Tom, Molly, Veronica, uh, Earthlink Man, and to everybody in the Buzz Out Loud community, to everybody who adds to the daily education of the team here through the forums and the emails and the voicemail, um, uh, sincere vala from Serbia. 
we love the podcast, and we love being a part of the uh, Buzz Out Loud community. All the best. Cheers. Wow, that's really great. That's really cool. Thank you. I mean, Vala to you, too, I think I'm saying. Vala. Yeah. I hope we're saying that right. <laughs> Don't mean to offend. Well, I'm glad that we're benefiting someone somewhere. Yeah, that's really sweet. <laughs> well, I, we're, I, I'm sort of all the clumped over here. Yeah. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Uh, so to bring us back down to earth, here's Vinny Man in New York City. Hey, guys. This is Vinny Man from the New York metro area. Take two. Tuesday, you were talking about Check and Go and how Google has their competitors listed on the results page and how convoluted that is. Well, I got a better one for you. I recently had an external hard drive fail on me, so I wanted to go to the company's website for support. Now, like everybody else, I Googled the name of the company because, let's face it, Google's kind of all made us a little lazy these days. Lo and behold, the company's website wasn't even on the result page, just a hundred links to places to buy one of their drives. And this, is the first t- this isn't the first time this has happened. It's gotten to the point that I've gone back to typing the company's name in the address bar of the browser again. Now, before you guys start throwing stones at Google, you might want to look at your own house. When I search Buzz Out Loud on CNET's own search engine, guess what? I get a whole bunch of links to commercial sites that have nothing to do with you. Makes you want to go, hmm. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Bye. Yeah, we know. You know, that that messes me up, too. I just did mm-hmm. it. I just did a search for Buzz Out Loud on CNET, and I got sponsored matches for Buzz Off. Shop for an assortment of quality clothing, which I think is hilarious <laughs> that it says Buzz Off. I know. That's really funny. Yeah. When you first mentioned that, I'm like, wait a second. Did someone make a clothing line? But even the top three feature stories, which the top results are feature stories on the dot archive, which is a column about web integration okay. and, and, and running your own website. CNET Holiday Help Desk from back in November. You and, guys were on that. And Molly Wood at the CES 2006 Las Vegas show. Yeah, we got to talk to our, our own people. podcast page is not in the top three. <laughs> so, yeah, we hear you, Viddy man. We're not in charge of the search engine. No, no. Or the ads. Or much of anything, really. You know, we're pretty much. Uh, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the extent of it. Email from Jay, who uh, took issue with us seeming to blame Microsoft for the HDCP thing. He says, blame Hollywood, not Microsoft. In your episode on Monday the 13th, you seem to be blaming Microsoft for the limiting factors of using HDCP. Firstly, remember the quarter resolution only applies when the medium requires HDCP for full playback. Blame Hollywood for this. If you ever want to watch those Blu-ray HD DVD movies using your computer, HDCP is necessary. So quit playing the blame game on microsoft i say give a buzz off to hollywood and the ce industry now but it's so fun blaming microsoft i agree that hollywood is to blame for the hdcp at the root of it but also microsoft didn't have to go along i blame microsoft for my toast burning in the morning and the other problem is there there is a, a the factor that there are cards that support hdcp that will not work in vista my bus was really crowded today. I blame Microsoft. I, you know what? I have a little bit of a headache and I blame Microsoft. <laughs> All right. Now we've got Joe from Westside. Uh, wrote in asking about the tiered internet spam question. This is where we're talking about telcos wanting to charge content companies again, charge them a third time for delivering their content over the internet. He emailed a friend of his that works for a congressman. Wow. Here's, here's what he says. I asked her how to go about letting my congressman know that tiered internet and pay for email is bad. She emailed me back and asked me if there was a specific bill that I was against. I looked online and tried to find out bill names or numbers, but couldn't find a direct reference to any specific bills. Bills 
Can you help me out here? What bills do we oppose? Do we oppose? Suddenly we're a political action committee. Uh, she's willing to help me make the case, but I need to know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to include a few more links to what I know. Basically, Re- Representative Joe Barton, the Texas Republican who chairs the U.S. House of Representatives Energy and Commerce Committee, uh, said his committee hopes to propose a comprehensive overhaul of the nation's telecommunications law, and it would specifically will include broadband regulation. And that seems to be where the telcos are putting their pressure. So there are a few bi- different bills making their way through Congress, and those are linked in a News.com story. But I don't know that there's one that's actually been has actually caught on. In fact, Barton is planning on proposing legislation later this year. So I'm going to include links to the news.com story about the broadband law rewrite and the energy commerce uh, commissions committees website on the web in the newsletter, but that's the best I know. You know who I bet would be great to ask who Declan McCullough. Oh yeah. We should get him on. He sits like right over there. I know. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. That's a good idea. Uh, If you want to keep abreast of the rest of the day's news, check out our sister site at news.com for updates throughout the day on what's happening in the tech world. Also want to give a Frapper shout out to from our Frapper Matt, Josh Herrickle. I hope you're saying your name right. From (laughs) Sylvan Lake, Alberta. He just says he loves the podcast. Keep the awesome work up. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome again. Yeah. Awesome and basically our two favorite words. All right. If you want to join in on the fun, please post in our forums, forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud Lounge. They have been a little wonky over the past 24 hours. Uh, There was a a new code push yesterday afternoon, and uh, it's getting better slowly. Yeah. Sometimes you can't really tell if if you've read an article yet or if you've commented on it. I tried to post a few times, and it just kind of went away. As with all code pushes it They're working doesn't on always it. go perfectly Liku and the community team are on it oh yeah and the engineers are working on it as well you can email us buzz at cnet.com or give us a call 1-800-616-CNET and let us know what you think over voicemail that's it thanks folks bye guys bye.